Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. I want to look at uh, a few different um, times that a certain statement is made here in these uh, next few verses, and I want us to do so with an understanding of the help that we have in the Holy Spirit. I was with you uh, a few weeks ago, and we talked about the help of the Holy Spirit. We talked about all of the things that Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit. And um, I, I'm, I just want us to camp there for a while. Uh, today, I want to specifically talk to us about how the Holy Spirit is in our lives to speak to us for God, to help us hear from God. We are in a time in our lives that we, we, we don't have to miss it. We don't, we don't have to uh, have to do over. Anybody ever had do overs? Start and stop, move forward one step, backwards three. Lord, help me get this right. Well, the, the more accurately we hear, the more accurately we live. And he is our, our divine helper. The Holy Spirit is called to help us. And uh, there are rewards and, and progress that are associated with hearing him correctly. Let's look here at Revelation 2 and verse 29. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Now, this is a phrase that Jesus repeated in this conversation that he's having with the apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. He used that phrase repeatedly. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So the Holy Spirit is talking to the church. And Jesus is Jesus the master, Jesus the teacher, Jesus our Lord. He's telling us who to listen to. He says, if you have an ear, an ear to hear. Well, we all have natural ears, but if you have spiritual ears tuned in, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. That's a choice. That's a choice. That, That means we are purposefully tuning in to the Holy Spirit's channel. We are, we are purposefully putting him on the speakerphone. Right. Have you ever, you know, I, I, I walk into some places and, and you're in there trying to shop or whatever and, and people come in, hey, honey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm stopping by the store to pick up some milk. And they've got the person on speakerphone and they're walking all around and we're all in their conversation. We're all a part of their conversation. Well, let's just keep the Holy Spirit on speakerphone all the time. 
Let's just carry him around with us and say, Holy Spirit, what do you think about that? What they're saying on the news. What do you think about that? Look, Holy Spirit. He that has an ear, let him hear. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. He's speaking to the church. Go back to verse 7 of, of this same chapter. And let's look at some of the things that happen when we hear what he says. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So my overcoming is connected to my hearing. Verse 11. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. Verse 17, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth, saving he that receives it. Do you see how there are, there are rewards connected to the hearing? In um, verse 26, 26 is connected to what we just read in verse 29. He that uh, overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he followed that one up with verse 29, he that has an ear to hear. Chapter 3, verse 5, he that overcomes, the same shall be clothed with in white rament, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. Verse 12. Him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God which is new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God and I will write upon him my new name. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. And then finally 21 To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and am am set down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. So every time Jesus started to tell about a reward that would come for the overcoming, a reward that would be a result of to him that overcomes, He responded also at the same time with, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. Praise God. We we want to ask the Lord to help us hear better. Every one of us can hear better than we hear right now. None of us have reached the apex of our hearing where it's like, I'm, I'm so good at this. I can't get any better. No, we can all improve our accuracy. We can all improve our hearing. And it starts by having a desire. It starts by bringing our faith to it and and begin to, instead of saying, well, I can't hear from God and I never hear from God and God never speaks to me. Instead of saying that, which there's no scripture for any of those statements, there is a scripture that says, my sheep know my voice. They hear my voice, they know my voice. Another voice they will not follow. So let's take that one, which is in, from John chapter 10, and let's put that one in our mouth. I am his sheep. I hear his voice. 
I hear from God. The Holy Spirit teaches me. I immediately respond in faith to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I started saying this a couple of years ago, and I'm still working it. I am easily persuaded by the Lord. I am easily persuaded. He doesn't have to deal with me 17 times to get me to see it his way. He doesn't have to continually, continually be so faithful. If I miss it, he'll help me. But I am easily persuaded. I want my spirit to be conditioned with that. I want my heart to be picking up on that. I don't want my heart to be hard because I say, I can't hear from God. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, let's look at verse 12. And I want, to, I want us to see God's desire in communicating. You know, you were, the whole reason for our redemption is so that God can have fellowship with us. So don't you think he wants conversation included in that fellowship? You think he just wants us running around serving him and never talking to him? Absolutely not. Jesus said, listen. God, you're not pleased with sacrifices and burnt offerings. Why? You know, that's what they, they didn't want to talk to God. They came and they said, you know what, Moses, you talk to God because we don't want to hear that sound again. God thought, God thought they are going to, they are going to see my glory up here. They're going to see that my presence is up here. They're going to hear my voice and they're going to run to the mountain to be with me. So you tell them to hold back. Because God thought they are going to want to be with me so much. You got to tell them to hold back because of the glory. But none of them did that. Oh, my goodness. None of them. They all, they all backed away and said, no, Mo Moses, you go talk to God. We don't want to talk to God. Isn't it interesting that in the book of Hebrews, he says, now that we've been washed in the blood and, and the new and the living way has opened up, come on, come on in now. <laughs> Let us draw near with a, a assurance of faith. But we still have believers, blood-washed believers who aren't coming to him. They're saying, I'm going to let my pastor talk to God for me. And God's saying, come, come. Come, the way is the new and the living way. Jesus made the new and the living way so you could come talk to me. So come boldly into the throne room of my, my help, my goodness, my outstretched arms, grace, the throne room of grace, of God's, God's goodness extended with his hands wide open saying, I'm trying to give you everything. Here, reach, reach, come on and reach, come on and reach the grace of God he says come boldly come boldly but because of a lack of knowledge because people don't have faith in the blood because people aren't taught who they are in Christ they're standing out on the outside and God's saying come on in come on in hear what I'm saying hear what I'm saying so 1 Corinthians 2, let's look at verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, 
We have received the Spirit of God. We have received. We have received. Not going to in the sweet by and by someday when we get to heaven over in glory land. No, 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 no. Have, we have already, we have already received the Spirit of God. What an honor. What an honor that I am indwelt by His Spirit. What an honor that He lives. He wants to live in me. He wants to talk to me. He wants to dwell in me. We have received the Spirit of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So we have received His Spirit so that we can know some things. If I'm not finding out what he knows, how, am I, how else am I going to know? I have the Holy Spirit, but I need to communicate with him so I can find out what he knows that he's trying to tell me. There are some things that he knows, things that are freely given to me, things that belong to me that I can't learn without him. I can't learn it by seeing it with my natural eyes. Because eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard. It's talking about the natural eye. Can't see your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. The natural eye can't see the righteousness you are in Christ. You have to take the word and you have to dominate your mind until you renew it. And then you have to take your emotions and you have to put them under control of that scripture. You have to let the word of God tell you who you are until, it, until you begin walking in the light of who you are, not how you feel, because your emotions are poor indicators of your position in Christ. You've got to have the word and the Holy Spirit. He is the one who brings to us this illumination of the word of God so that we can understand Nobody is supposed to be outside of understanding where the things of God are concerned. No believer. This isn't just for a certain few who, who stand behind the pulpit. God wants every believer in the light. We're children of light. He wants us walking in the light. He wants us, wants us uh, uh, operating in what the Bible says is true about us. So there are things that are freely given to us of God and the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us know these things, to help us comprehend and realize and appreciate these things. We can't comprehend them without spiritual help because they're not natural. When, when I first started teaching on our being in Christ a number of years ago, in, um, before the In Christ series that we just did on television came out of a study that I did about four years ago. And it is not something that you just look at once and you say, oh, okay, I got that. No, you've got to stay with it because there's like layers of understanding when you begin to talk about who you are in Christ. It's, it's something that we should be busy with, focused on, giving our attention to, because it is 
It is the cog in the wheel. It is, the, it is how everything works in the kingdom. From, for us, it's from our place in Christ. And one of the things that I, I studied during that time, and I began to ask the Lord to reveal to me my inheritance. Because it's more than just money. And it is so vast. Your inheritance in Christ, it is so vast. There are aspects of your inheritance that are operative in you now. And there are some aspects that will be at different times. For instance, part of my inheritance is I get a glorified body. I, don't, I can't operate that one yet. But I, that's part of my inheritance. I will have a glorified body. Amen. But there are other aspects of my inheritance that I want to, I don't want that inheritance to set unutilized in my life. So I need the Holy Spirit to reveal to me what belongs to me. What belongs to me? What is my inheritance now? Because I, I want to access it. I want to bring it into activity in my life. I want it to be, to be working in me. And he, it is something that is a, an ongoing revealing. Like there will be certain things that I'll be studying and I'll just see it fit into the, a place in my inheritance. Praise God. This is the Holy Spirit teaching us the things that have been given to us. It's going to take him a while. He can't just sit you down and give you bullet points and say, okay, this is what belongs to you in your head. For you to walk in it and, and access it and utilize it, you need the Holy Spirit giving you hands-on instruction how to access what has been given to you already. Already given to you. We know that the Bible says that he has given us all things that pertain unto life. So there's, there's nothing in your life that God hasn't already provided for. There's not an area where you said, okay, God, we're missing it here. We've got emptiness right here. God says, no, I provided for all things. I have already given you. Where are they? They're in the promises. Through these precious promises, I've got to take the promises and promises, when you see promise in the Bible, it's not like a promise of something that's going to happen for you in the future. Right. A promise is a covenant provision. A covenant provision. So when I, we see the promises of God, it's covenant for me. That belongs to me. Right. Amen? Yeah. It's, it's, in my, it's in my fine print. Glory to God. So... Things which have been given to us, they need to be known for us to have them in operation. Verse 13, which things also we speak. We're going to speak about the things that are freely given to us. Why? Because they're voice activated. They're voice activated. They, they need to be called for. They're not just going to happen. You're going to have to activate them with your voice. You're going to have to call for them. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but you could say words which the Holy Ghost teaches. So we're going to speak. He's not only going to show us things and make us know things. He's going to teach us things to say. 
He's going to teach us things to say. And then it says this, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. He's going to teach us things to say, comparing spiritual things with spiritual or explaining spiritual truths with spiritual words. So there are times that, that you don't know how to express something exactly the way it needs to be expressed. Or maybe you don't know how to pray something. You have a sense here of something, a direction to pray. But when you try to bring it out in your understanding, you continually feel like you're falling short. And you think, I, I know I'm trying to pray through something here. I'm trying to pray about something. I'm trying to pray uh, this over into a shift. I'm trying to end my prayer. But your, your words in the natural understanding just seem to, to fall lifeless and, and empty. And that's why the Holy Spirit helps us. Look at Romans chapter 8. When, when we don't have the natural words to pray... He has some spiritual words that can help us move the situation. We're not limited to just natural words. Romans chapter 8 says in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. He helps our infirmities. That's not a word that describes sickness. It is a word that means weakness. He helps our weakness. So the Holy Spirit, the Weiss translation says, He lends us a helping hand. Thank you, Lord. We need that helping hand. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. What is our weakness? Well, don't quit reading because it's going to tell us exactly what weakness the Holy Spirit has come. He's designed to help us in. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. Why? Because we don't know all the details. We don't know all the ins and outs. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know the motives of that person's heart. We don't know what, what things might have been set in place before the situation that we came up on. And so we're trying to pray and we're praying with limited light. We're praying with what we can see from the natural. We're praying from the natural understanding. And, and we won't know how to do a spiritual activity like prayer just in the natural. We'll come to a place where we find our limit. Why? Because I'm just trying to pray. And we should pray what we know to pray. We should exercise our authority as we know to pray it. But when we come to those places where we don't know everything and how to pray it correctly, we're not left at a disadvantage. He doesn't leave us there in that disadvantage. He doesn't leave us there limited and said, well, if you could just see what I see, <laughs> if you could see from my perspective. <laughs> no, he says, the Holy Spirit will help you. He will help you. He'll lend you a helping hand when you don't know what you should pray for as you ought to pray. When you don't know the particular thing that you should pray according to what is necessary in the nature of that case. That's how the Weiss translation says it. When you don't know the particular thing to pray, 
you can still pray the particular thing. You can still pray the particular thing, that specific thing that you need to pray, but you're not going to pray it with the natural understanding. You're going to have to have the Holy, help, Holy Spirit help you pray it. He will help you pray it, and he'll, put, he'll give you the words to say, and he's going to give you spiritual words, not words which man's wisdom teaches, but words which the Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit will teach us words. He'll teach us some, he'll tell us some things that we need to say in the natural language, but he'll also give us words that are spiritual words. It says, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he doesn't do that without us. We, we are involved. Our voice is speaking. Our faith is releasing the spiritual words as we pray in tongues. And when we do, he's giving us the utterance of what to say. Amen. It would be like, like I'm on the, the phone with uh, uh, insurance and... I don't know all of the right lingo to use. I don't know what I should be asking for. I don't know exactly how I should say it. But Brother Brian, he does. And he can tell me, say this. And I say, I want to, to ask for this on my policy. And he says, now tell him you want to make sure that this, uh, this binder or this contract or this is... And he's giving me the specifics that deal with something I don't know about. But when I get off the phone, I've got the perfect thing lined out because someone who knew what to say was telling me what to say. So when we're in prayer and we don't know all the details, he does. He does. And what he's going to tell you to say is exactly in line with the will of God. If you want to pray the perfect will of God, the Holy Spirit is a help to us in prayer so that we can pray so on target with the will of God. And so it says, He helps us when we don't know how to pray as we ought. The Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He makes intercession according to the will of God. So praying in the Spirit is praying according to the will of God. And what a privilege. What a privilege that we have been granted the help of God's Spirit himself so that we don't have to pray wrong. So that we don't have to fall short in our prayer life. Our prayer life should be some of the most powerful times of our life because he's there to help us pray. None of us are ever at the limit of just our own knowledge or our own words. But when we come to that place, he steps right in and starts putting the words in our mouth. Hallelujah. 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 So the Holy Spirit helps us. And then verse 28 says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose and design. So when we're praying in the Spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit, 
We are helping things work together for good. We're helping things that, that, that need to be shifted and changed and altered. We're, we're in that place in prayer, utilizing the help and the words of the Holy Spirit so that we can have the plan of God, the purpose of God, God's purpose and His design in our life accurately. The, the, the plan of God is not just going to happen. If, if you have this, this mindset that, well, whatever will be, will be. It's going to happen if God wants it to happen. You've got to rip a lot of pages out of the Bible to make that doctrine work. It's going to happen if God wants it to happen. I'm glad Daniel didn't think that way when he started reading the scripture and saying, we're behind time. We are behind time. There are things that are supposed to have happened and they haven't happened yet. And he began to pray them. And he got over there in prayer and prayed some things open and prayed some things into the the things that were God's plan, but they weren't in operation until somebody began to pray them. Hallelujah. And so there are some things that are God's plan for us and we're going to have to pray them out. There are some things that are God's design and they're not just going to happen automatically. We're going to have to lay hold of them in prayer. We're going to have to lay hold of them and bring them in through speaking them into manifestation in our prayer lives, through speaking them, through uttering things. You know how long I've been praying for unity? For three years, four years? I've been praying for unity. And... The, the mid-November of last year, something happened that, that just kind of shifted my schedule, and I started waking up early, which is like God. You know it's God, because like pastor's like, oh, I know God's dealing with her. She's up, right? <laughs> He's always the early bird, but now I'm getting up as early, and sometimes I've gotten up earlier than him. But I got up, and I got up to pray in the Spirit. And so I started spending a a significant amount of time, more than I normally did, praying in the Spirit, targeted praying. I mean, specific for the purpose of praying in the Spirit. I have had more clarity about how to bring unity I've had more more revelation, things that needed to be done in the natural. I was was praying for unity, but running things like they were too. And the Holy Spirit, it was was just, when, when, when the things were able to be grasped in the Spirit and brought into where I could see them, it's like the pieces of the puzzle just fitting together. Amen. It's like things that I've been, been asking for, but now I'm getting the clarity how to make them, how to put them into operation. The, the help that we need to get God's design is available, but we have to initiate the conversation. Right. We have to initiate... The, and the discipline of, of 
praying in the spirit, the discipline of giving him time. Hallelujah. Because the mind wants to be entertained. The mind, praying in the spirit, you've got to, you've got to bring your mind under control to keep it focused on what you're, you're accomplishing in the spirit because the mind says, well, I need a new revelation and don't you want to read something right now? And don't, you know, it, just, it wants to move over to a place where you are kicking that mind back into gear. But um, the mind is not where I'm going to receive my greatest revelation. I receive my revelation in my spirit and I bring it up and renew my mind with it later. So I need to, I, it's, it's a, a shift in the way that we, um, the way that we operate on a daily basis. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, let's look at verse 15. Jesus said in, let's begin actually in 16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter, another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Another comforter. The word another is an important word in this verse because we know that in this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, that this is moments before he goes to the cross. He's telling them all of these significant things that are about to change because he's going to the cross. He tells them that they need to love as he has loved them. He tells them that they will be asking in his name. And he begins to tell them about their relationship with the Holy Spirit and how this relationship is going to change. He says he has been with you, but he shall be in you. And he said, it is expedient for you that I go away so that I can send him to you. And they, they couldn't see how that was beneficial to them. They couldn't see how that was so much better for them. We just think you, it would be best if you stayed because, you know, like we saw you walk on the water. And we were there when you multiplied the fish and the loaves. And, and, you know, that widow of Nain's son, yeah, we'd like to keep you around just in case we ever need that, right? <clears throat> and so for Jesus to say, it's going to be more beneficial for you, more advantageous for you if I go away, they couldn't see that. They said, no, I don't think so. And, and so Jesus is telling them all that the Holy Spirit will be for them. All that the Holy Spirit. He said, I will go to the Father and he will send you another. And this word another means just like me. If you were to use, uh, for instance, if you were to say, give me a piece of fruit and, and they handed you an apple and they said, can I have another? And they handed you a pear. Well, they gave you another fruit, but not another just like you had. So that's not this word. This word means I'm going to give you another just like you had. And so the Holy Spirit 
is going to respond just like Jesus would respond. If Jesus himself were standing right there next to you telling you what you should do in that situation, it wouldn't be any different than what the Holy Spirit says. The Holy Spirit, he is so much the Spirit of Christ. He is so much the Spirit of God. There is such a unity between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit, he will respond exactly like Jesus himself would respond in that situation. He would lead you exactly. He would train you exactly. And so when people say, well, if Jesus was just here, I've got the Holy Spirit, and Jesus said he's just like me. This is the way that it's better for you because if Jesus himself on the earth limited to one geographical location, but the Holy Spirit, he's not got that limitation. He can, and, and, and praise God, we, he can be resident in all of us with a different address and Brother Dave can still get a delivery to the Holy Spirit, right? Because he's got so many different addresses. But the Holy Spirit is going to tell you what he says to you would be exactly what Jesus would say if he were there present with you. So that's why Jesus said, I'm with you always. Why? Because if my spirit is with you, I'm with you. If the Holy Spirit is there, I'm there. If the Holy Spirit is guiding you, I'm guiding you. The Holy Spirit, his guidance isn't different than Jesus' guidance. It is the guidance of Jesus because Jesus ordained him to guide us. Jesus has authorized him to be our leader. So if if I violate his leading, whose leading am I violating? How can I say I follow Jesus but I won't follow the Holy Spirit? That's like people say, well, I I follow Jesus, but I don't follow a pastor. You you rip some pages out of the Bible to say that too. Because Jesus authorized the pastor to be a shepherd, to be a leader. He gives the pastor a vision to fulfill so that we know what to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit, his leading is the leading of Jesus. His guidance is the guidance of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's teaching is the teaching of Jesus. He's going to point us to Jesus. He is going to take what belongs to Jesus and reveal it to us. Let's look at that one over in John 16. Verse 13. Oh, 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 let's start in 7. Let's start in 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now jump down with me to 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Things that needed to be said, things that they needed to understand, things that they needed to walk in, but they could not bear them. So how are they going to get them? 
Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you. So we, if he's guiding, I'm following his lead. Amen. He will guide you. This word guide is a word um, like a tour guide. One who leads you on an excursion. It gives the picture of uh, an animal being led by a rope. Somebody pulling on the rope. They're, they're being led, guided. He said, he will guide you. He will guide you. I love the example that Rick Renner gives because he has been over in Moscow, Russia a number of years now. Uh, his children have grown up and married the, uh, there in that region. And, and so his, he's been a um, host to many different pastors who've come over, ministers that have come over, and they all want to go see the museum. And they want to go see uh, the different sites. And because he had been so many times, he said he got to the place where he could give a better tour than the tour guide because he knew a lot of the details about the, you know, Catherine's dresses and all of the, um, the czars and they have all of the different uh, uh, artifacts and, and jewelry uh, uh, from all of the princes and queens and, and royal families from over the years. And so he knew all about it. He said, and, the, and you definitely don't want to go to this huge museum without a tour guide because there's only one bathroom. And you don't want to get stuck on the other side 45 minutes away, a 45-minute walk from the bathroom. So you definitely want to make sure you have a tour guide when you go. And the thing about our lives is the Holy Spirit has already been out ahead of us. He knows where we're going. He's not leading us blindly. He's not directing us into a specific, uh, into an area that he doesn't know the specifics of it. But he's going somewhere he's familiar with. And if we'll follow his leading, his, his guiding, then the accuracy in our life will be uh, so much easier. And so he says, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak." Whatever he will hear from the Father, from Jesus, that is what he is speaking. And he will show you things to come. The word show means to announce, to declare, or rehearse. He will announce, declare, and rehearse with you things to come. He'll rehearse them. He'll go over them with you again. Do you remember what I showed you about this? That's still on the plan. Do you remember what I, I spoke to you about this? This is still the direction that we're going. He will glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father has are mine. That's why I say he shall take of mine and shall announce declare 
and rehearse it to you. Three times he uses that word, show, 13, 14, and 15. He wants to show you some things. The Holy Spirit has a lot to say to us. He has a lot to talk about. The more time we give him, the more he can get across to us. The more we interact with him, the, the greater we'll be able to know that was the Spirit of God. That wasn't just me. And sometimes in the beginning, you'll have to ask that. Was that me? Because it's not always as spectacular as people expect when he leads us. The leading of the Lord is naturally supernatural. It's supernatural in its working, but it's natural to me as a believer. It's not something strange for me and you. It shouldn't be strange for us. It's, it should be natural because we're spiritual. And the more spiritual we are, the easier it is. And when I say spiritual, I'm not talking about kooky. Do you want to, let's talk about spiritual. How can we mark spirituality? Where's my love walk? My spirituality is not in outward expressions or manifestations of the spirit because that's not me anyway. If I give a word in tongues, that's not me, that's him operating his gift through me. If I give a a word of, of knowledge, that's not me, that's him. So that's not an indication of my spiritual maturity, the, oh, walking in obedience to the word of God, which walking in love. If I'm walking in love, I am walking in all obedience. Amen. I mean, that's the, that's, the, the, that, the, that's the clear line right there is where is my love walk? Because if I'm walking in love, loving God, loving each other, then I'll keep all the other commandments. <laughs> I'll keep everything else in line. If I'm preferring, if I'm thinking about someone else above my own needs, if I'm not being selfish, but instead I'm being generous, if, I'm, if I am uh, uh, preferring one another, all of those uh, operations of maturity, walking in love, make me a stable place for the power of God to flow. If I don't have a stable love walk, then the power of God won't have as clear of a uh, operation in my life. In, In recognizing the voice of the Holy Spirit, in recognizing and learning how to follow his lead, Because it is not spectacular, sometimes we might think that was me. And we need to be sensitive. We need to be sensitive and we need to begin to um, recognize that when he leads me, he's going to lead me from in here. That's the preferred method of communication that God has with us. The inward witness. Romans chapter 8 says that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. Bearing witness that we are the sons of God. The most important thing for you to be sure of. He brings it in a way that the enemy can't duplicate. 
The enemy can't manipulate. The enemy can't, can't uh, get in you. Because there's no duplex in your heart. You're not a duplex. The Holy Spirit, He lives in the believer. He, he, he dwells. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, and He does, then He'll quicken. He'll bear witness. He'll bear witness. And we need to be skilled in that bearing witness. We need to be skilled in that. And bearing witness involves peace. The book of Philippians, uh, the Apostle Paul, he said that, uh, that peace will act like an umpire. Is that Philippians or Colossians? There's in Philippians 4, but I don't think that's the one I want. He says that peace will act like an umpire. Hallelujah. When you see an umpire making a call, that umpire, and you uh, sometimes you don't like the call they make, and you argue with the television, but that umpire, he is in a position because somebody has to have the final call. Somebody has to be in a position, and we, we want that umpire to be one who will... Uh, it is Colossians. Colossians 2 and verse 18 in the Amplified, if you could help me there. Colossians 2, 18 in the Amplified. The, the umpire, the reason that, that he is holding that position is that so when it comes down to it, somebody who is in, supposed to be in a position of not being on this side, not being on that side, but being for the well-being of what's right is going to make a call based on what's right. Okay, and so it says, um, that's not the one I want, is it? Hallelujah. Let me try another one. Praise God. 315. Let the peace from Christ rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body you are also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. So it says, let the peace which comes from Christ act as an umpire in your heart, deciding and settling all the questions. The Holy Spirit uses peace like a green light. The lack of peace is a red light. If I don't have peace, I don't need to have dread to not have peace. If I don't have peace, I just back off. I just don't move yet. What do you do with the red light? You stop. As long as you've got a green light, you can go all the way down that, that, that road and hit every green light. And as long as you've got a green light, you can keep going. But when you get to the place that that red light comes up, now we've got to stop. 
Hallelujah. Until you get a green light. Peace, if you don't know peace, it's going to be hard to follow the leading of the Lord. For a person whose life is chaos, and they got all kinds of drama, and they got, they got drama over here in the family and drama in their finances and drama here and drama there and everything's always, oh, and, and it's, there's never any peace. How are they going to recognize peace when the Holy Spirit tries to use peace as a, an indicator? So that's why we've got to uh, cast down all imaginations. We've got to cast all of our cares upon the Lord. We've got to learn how to walk and live in this peace so that when the Holy Spirit uses peace to try to help give us a green light to lead us, we can identify the peace of God. Amen. The peace of God is uh, not emotional. You can have things going around you. You can have all kinds of things, and people can look at you and say, how come you're not more upset about this? It's the peace of God. The peace of God. We've seen the peace of God operate in our church family. Just in, in, in recognizing as Melanie and Liz move to heaven, we need God's peace to help us walk through that. Because we weren't prepared in the natural. We didn't expect it. And the enemy would like to bring all kinds of questions to us and all kinds of, of heaviness to us. But that's not going to help us. But God, he's so faithful. He's brought us his peace. He's brought us his peace. And that's why it says the peace that passes all understanding. Because I'm sure that people ask you questions that move you right back over to the natural. And you have to guard that peace. You have to guard that peace. It's not going to uh, benefit for us to yield to heaviness. Right. I can honor the walk with God that my loved one has and exampled before me without having to yield to a heaviness. I can love their memory and I can remember their smile and I can think on the good. And that's going to bring more honor to them where they are today than me getting under the heaviness and the gloom. That's peace. That passes understanding. It takes us out of the natural arena and it puts us in a place that God can walk us through a situation that the enemy meant for evil. But we're not going to give him any glory. God gets all the glory. God gets all the glory. Amen? That's peace. And we've got, we've got to look at that peace as something that's not optional. And when things come and try to, try to move us over into the chaos or move us over into the drama and move us, if you, the moment you feel the chaos 
The moment you recognize it, back up. There have been times that I got a phone call and 30 minutes later, I'm still in the kitchen banging pots and pans. And then I stop and say, what has got me banging pots and pans? Why am I in here taking out my, my upsetness on my kitchen utensils? <laughs> and I realize, okay, that person called me and they talked to me about such and such and it got me overthinking about this and now I'm all out of peace and I'm upset about it and I'm thinking about what am I going to do about that situation and I'm, uh, and I'm, uh, and I'm, uh, and and yeah, okay, what has got me over here? And I, so, and I thought, why did it take me 30 minutes to even get to this place where I recognized I've lost my peace? Amen. And I had to get quicker about casting my care. Amen. When that, the minute something would come up to violate my peace, whoa, 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 Lord, I cast the care of that onto you. There's nothing I can do about that. Amen. That is not in my control. So I'm not going to pull it over into my thoughts and, and get over here in a place that I'm distracted by it. I'm going to just maintain my peace and cast my care upon the Lord and uh, trust you with it. Amen? So the peace of God is part of the leading. The peace of God is part of the leading. I had... Um, Back in, I want to say it was, two thousand and nine, maybe two thousand and eight. A number of years ago, we had a, a a group of people in the church. Who? How long have you been here? You come about that time? It, it, it was just, okay. It, it would have been right before you started coming because th- there was a group of people who, who were in different places of leadership and decided that they wanted to go different directions for their lives. And so, 2008. And um, when I say different directions for their life, they decided instead of singing on the praise team, they would rather go to the karaoke bar and, and just going in a direction that caused them that they didn't want to come to church and they didn't want to be leaders in the church. And so when they left, it took about three different departments down with that, that were left leaderless. And at the same time, there were a lot of people in the church going, where'd they go? What happened to them? What, what's going on? And all we could do is just walk people through it. The world was going through a financial difficulty at the same time. It was during a time of, of recession in the world, and we were exercising our faith against it. But because there was so, such a, a shift, and, and if, if we were to be honest about it, it was also about that time that uh, we, had, um, we were reconnecting where God wanted us to be connected in the word of faith and, and uh so there was a lot of shifts and a lot of changes going on, and that caused a lot of financial changes in the church. And so um, because of my position as administrator at that time, I made the decision I would let my check go, and I would go get a job. And because my kids were, you know, I still had uh, a teenager at home at the time, and 
I uh, still had all the responsibilities here. My book had just come out. I was having opportunities to go minister on the television broadcast in uh, on, on the television station at VTN. They had invited me to come down and minister on Sister Jeannie's broadcast, and they had asked me to come down and do a partner special, and it was uh, that was going on in the midst of it seeming like things were so difficult. And so I went and I got this. I didn't ask God if I should get a job. I didn't ask God if I should get a job. I just decided I'm going to fix this. And so I went to work at nights in Topeka at a juvenile detention facility for young girls because I thought at least I can do something that I'm helping somebody, you know, help them get their lives back on track. And, but they were asleep, and so I'm really alone in this. As a, and I'm, so I'm wearing these big man boots, and uh, I, I was a, a security officer at this jail, right, at the, for this juvenile detention center. And so I'm, I'm it, the Hispanic church was just getting started here and I was still doing the worship because we were doing it bilingual. And so I, I would sing bilingual. I would sing in Spanish, sing in English, and then I would have to go get dressed and drive to this job. And so I'm driving to Topeka, and I would just drive and cry. I would have worship on, and I would be worshiping and crying, and I'd be crying and crying. Oh, Lord, it seems like my life, everything that I know that you've called me to do, it just seems like it's falling down around me, and I'm just crying, and I'm, and I'm, I'm worshiping, but I'm not spiritual. I was so emotional. My worship was, it was, I was singing, but my spirit wasn't doing the singing. It was my emotions. And it wasn't edifying me, and I know God wasn't getting much out of it either. So I'm on my way here this, this evening, crying. By the, I mean, I've, got, I've cried all my makeup off. I'm halfway to Topeka, and the Lord gives me a vision while I'm driving. It was just so quick. It wasn't dangerous. It was so quick. But he showed me a vision of these dominoes. And the dominoes, have you ever seen the dominoes when you stack them up? If one falls, they're going to fall until they, every one of them that's connected to it falls. And the Lord said in that moment, he said, if you don't, get, if you don't pick up everything you've set down about faith and start believing me, it will domino effect all the way back until you wonder if you ever really got saved. That quick, just in that flash, with that, with that, it was, it, he made it, it was so clear to me. I dried my eyes. But I'm not crying in another emotional tear about this. Within a month, I had given my two weeks notice, got myself back in the church. If the money wasn't there, I sowed it. If it wasn't there to pay me, I, I said, God, I give it to you as seed. And I'm doing my job. And within the end of that month, the contract for our television broadcast came in and was sitting on my desk. And uh, 
pastor and I were talking about it the other day. He said, he kept walking by it and looking at that contract, walking by it, and he finally said, let's just sign it. And I said, we don't have an option not to. It's like I knew here in the middle of everything what the plan of God was, get with my faith and get with the plan of God. But if I had continued down that carnal thinking and that carnal praying, because I was praying and I was worshiping, but it wasn't scriptural. I wasn't being a doer of the word. I wasn't acting on the word. And the Holy Spirit corrected me and, and let me know that my faith in this arena is affecting, it will affect my faith in every other arena. How I walk through this is going to affect all the rest of my life. How I deal with this situation is going to have, an, have a, it's, it's going to solidify some things or cut some things off. And so I had to switch from being carnal and you, from the outside, you wouldn't have, have called me carnal. It looked like what I was doing was spiritual, but it didn't have the essence of faith in it. But the Holy Spirit, in that one moment, gave me a direction that rescued me. Without that clear understanding that this is going to have a domino effect, and if you don't have faith here, it's going to affect everything. All the other areas of your life that are, your faith is connected. Your faith in your finances is connected to your faith in your marriage. Your faith in your marriage is connected to your faith in raising your children. All of these that we're connected, why? Because if the word doesn't work here, it's going to open up a door of doubt for me everywhere. But the Holy Spirit in that one moment gave me an adjustment. And in that adjustment, I just went and picked up faith and started working faith again. Picked up everything I knew about faith and said, I need to dust off all of my faith utensils and get back in this program. Because God's called me to be a faith builder. The Holy Spirit, he's, he's here to help you. He's our help. Amen. And you don't have to know how to walk through everything as long as you know how to walk with him. He'll tell you the how-tos. And he'll strengthen you so that you don't have to do it in your own power. Thank you, Lord. Father, we desire to be even more aware and responsive to your Holy Spirit. That we, from the moment our eyes open, we turn to you. We acknowledge you. We recognize your presence and your help. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands right where you are and say this with me. Father, I ask you to help me see clearer 
and to help me understand more about the help of your Holy Spirit. If I have ignored you, please forgive me. I never want to do that again. I want to acknowledge you in all my ways. In Jesus' name. So did you hear about the woman who was on the baking show on HGTV? She was in a competition. It was a baking competition. And she won a privilege. And the privilege was that this master baker that she would have access to this master baker for like 10 minutes. And this master baker could do anything in that 10 minutes. And the woman called this master baker into the kitchen to help her in this competition. And the master baker said, what can I do? She could have had the master baker take the ingredients that she had and get as far along in the recipe as she could doing it like a master baker is skilled to do. But instead, she looked at this person, this master baker, and said, would you cut the fruit? <laughs> cut? You want me to cut the fruit? You want, you want me to cut the fruit? <laughs> You've got me for 10 minutes, and you want me to cut your strawberries? When I could put you so far ahead so that all you have to do is pull it out of the oven. But you want me to cut fruit. And sometimes we've got the Holy Spirit in the kitchen cutting fruit. When he could be telling us how to make things work. He could be telling us how to get out of debt. He could be telling us how to, to rearrange this situation for uh, the best outcome. He could be telling us so much and cut the fruit. Just help me remember this. Holy Spirit, don't let me forget that. Okay, I'll cut your strawberries. <laughs> no, I want you to come in. You're the master. You're the one who's skilled. You got to learn how to ask the right questions. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. And he'll straighten and unbend your paths. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet. Were you edified today? Hallelujah. We believe God for greater, greater things.